0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Braun Body Podcast. Joining me again today is Brendan Todd. We had him on the Monday episode and he was talking about his journey through powerlifting, uh, some of the injuries he overcame and just his personal fuel to keep moving forward. Again, Brendan is a NASM certified personal trainer. He has a bachelor's degree in exercise science and he really specializes in powerlifting. And as I mentioned on Monday, he is one strong dude. His uh, best total for my uh, powerlifting meet Came in December of 2020 when he totaled 1769.2 pounds, Uh, his bench press, which was 440.9 is literally more than my one rep repetition max squat Um, so that just kind of gives you an idea of how strong this guy is. Uh, For more on Brendan, you can find him on Instagram at Tank Strength. And again, I highly recommend you check his page out because he's got all kinds of good information and useful tips that you can use on that. So with that, Brendan, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. So when we talk about powerlifting, you know, most people think big three, they think bench press, they think squat, they think deadlift and ironically enough, you know, these have changed over time. Like there's a time when barbell curls were considered a powerlifting exercise. Um, so when we're thinking about powerlifting, it is a challenging sport. As we talked on Monday, there's a lot of demands that it puts on your body. And you know, it demand it's not just lifting heavy weight, it's keeping your body weight in line to compete at a certain weight class. It's keeping your joints healthy. It's keeping your ability to move, um, you know, through the full range of motion, good. So with that, you know, let's talk about your training a little bit. How do you balance all these different things, all these different demands of the sport and do so well at it all?
1: Uh, My training's actually uh, definitely developed over time. Uh, Right now I'm actually being coached by someone, uh, Josh Bryant by at jailhouse strong. can find him on instagram and his books and everything so um right now i'm only lifting uh, four times a week each Mm -hmm. day is kind of specific to uh that lift and i have like one accessory day but before that i was doing like five times a week i got up to like six times a week um the idea is really just to know how you're feeling that day and um yeah, how you feeling that day, and not going too ego on the on the on the lift, <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, you know refining your technique. I know in the beginning my technique was trash, and not that I'm like a huge technique guy, but um, if you don't, if you execute the lift every time the same way, your body's just going to be able to go through that groove better, you know. So
0: right, guys. so it's almost kind of like a case of less is more i know most people are pushing six days a week in the gym seven days a week in the gym there's people doing twice a day every day in the gym and here you are seeing results on four days a week yeah and it's it's, go it's ahead. really um it's yeah kind of less is more it's also
1: just you know there's some people like my girlfriend now um she's going she's squatting four times a week i only squat one time a week i mean she's mm-hmm. also much lighter than me um she's on a different program it's really personal and it's um it's managing that uh, total amount of stress that that lift is giving you right when i lift uh, doing like my bench day i do a ton of pressing work mm-hmm. so it's not you know that whole day is just towards pressing so i do it once a week but if I'm to do it four times a week, maybe I'll just only be able to do one exercise per week. You know, it's finding your amount of stress that's going to give you the adaptation that you need to get stronger.
0: Right. Kind of finding that self-experiment through self-experimentation, finding your own minimal effective dose, you know, what you need to do in order to keep moving forward and getting stronger while maximizing the quality of the movement and not the quantity. Yes. Awesome. Good stuff. So with that, to just the sport of powerlifting in general, there's a lot of crazy strict rules that, you know, you have to follow if you're competing. There's a lot of equipment considerations, that sort of thing. So how do you kind of go about balancing all of those? And what are some of those for those who don't know?
1: Um, it depends on the federation. I compete USAPL, which is a drug tested federation um like for instance the bench you have to have your head on the bench obviously your butt and your back and your feet have to be flat on the ground but then you go to like uspa and i believe you can have your head off the bench and you can be on your toes while you bench then you have um i'm sure there's a ton more rules (laughs) i don't know (laughs) all i know is i gotta show up under uh you know at my weight that i'm supposed to be i'm not supposed to be uh the deadlift is not supposed to go up and down the squat i'm not supposed to pause it and i'm not supposed to fail anything so (laughs) um i'm there's uh there's more people who like care more about the rules and about the uh look of the federation stuff i'm still pretty new to this federation and um to powerlifting in general i've only been really just powerlifting for about a year two years a year and a half two years so um yeah, there's some rules. There's, it's a little strict, but, uh, right now I just follow what I'm supposed to supposed to do and just execute it through.
0: Yep. That's, uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I know like the bench press pause is a big thing too. Obviously, I have them want the bar bouncing off your chest and that Mm -hmm. always drives me nuts at the gym because, you know, guys (laughs) will be, you know, they're usually high schoolers, but they'll load up 225 on the bar because there's something about benching two 45 pound plates on each side. And, you know, they're bouncing the bar off the chest, their whole back, their butt is off (laughs) the bench, you know, it is. Awful form. I'm always like, can we even count that as a rip? Or
1: um yeah, it's tough when you start uh you start lifting uh the uh especially to like a powerlifting standards, and then you just look at everybody else, you're like soft knees on that deadlift. Uh, that wasn't long enough pause. And um, I mean yeah, you're always gonna get the idiots in the gym who's trying to do too much and it looks like atrocious, but uh You know, if you're squatting to parallel, if you're, you know, if you pick up the weight off the floor and look like you got locked out, even if you don't pause on the bench, I'm like, all right, but you're just not going to be able, it's not going to necessarily transfer over to competition. So,
0: right, right. So, kind of with that, too, diving into the bench a little bit more. Um, when we talk about the bench press, there's a lot more than just getting on a bench and pressing that goes into this exercise. There's a lot of accessory work you have to do. You have to keep each side even, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the back musculature is super important for a strong bench, a leg drive, the list goes on and on. So when you're training for bench press or you're training clients for bench press, what are some of those accessory movements that you really like to focus in on?
1: um well the biggest thing is i mean obviously i love the bench um just because <laughs> the more specific you are in doing something the better you're going to get at it so a lot of bench volume comes from benching um and then it depends on the cycle depends on what they're doing i'll do a lot of uh, dead dead bench press i got that from my coach josh bryant um you're basically starting at the bottom starting from a dead mm-hmm. stop like a deadlift and you're just pressing up really working um your power out of the hole you're basically removing that uh elastic energy kind of you get from the eccentric portion of the lift um then you got volume work with a dumbbell maybe your feet are up on the bench um then i, I dips got a lot of dips and then tricep work too and um oh and then uh, tempos. uh recently i just i read a book by cal Dietz, i uh triphasic and he was talking about now this is towards athletes not necessarily like no athletes athletes not strength athletes but he implements you know eccentric and isometric uh uh tempos and i took that away from that too i just started throwing those in and i've gotten pretty good uh results from that too
0: right and uh, the other thing I've noticed too, is you do a lot of band work and even reverse band work sometimes. So what is yes. kind of the rationale behind all of that?
1: Your band work is gonna, um, usually it's like lighter at the bottom. So where you're the weak, some people tend to be very weak at the bottom, like right off the paws of the chest. And then it's gonna be increased attention at the uh, top. Now the either normal band or reverse band is gonna do the same thing. It's just throwing the band in a different way. Um, and a little diff, uh, different uh i guess feel to it i forgot the word but also has uh I, oh accommodate yeah that's what it's called accommodating resistance yep. the nice thing about the bands one they're cheap um and two is on the down portion the band is actually pulling the bar down mm-hmm. faster than you know i guess gravity would right it's like you know kind of like a slingshotting down so you also get that negative portion that a different feel so it's it's really snapping the bar down obviously it doesn't look like that you're still controlling it but um and then you know more resistance at the top when you're right you're you're stronger at the top
0: and i love this approach for multiple reasons one like you just alluded to you're getting that over under speed training with the variable tempos and the bands because you know in one you could be doing a slow eccentric and in the next set you can add the bands and then it's pulling it down. So you're lowering the bar faster than you would on your own in your own power. Um, okay. this is something uh for those listening. I know you know I love Ross Eggley and the stuff that he does. Obviously, there might be some performance enhancing going on there to do what he does, but he is very big on the over-under speed and the altered tempo. And I love what you're doing with the bands as well. Um, Dr. John Jakesh, I think it's his name. He's a big biomedical guy. Um, he actually only lifts with bands and um, he is very much larger than I am and much stronger than <laughs> I am. Um, but, you know, that power of the accommodating resistance, strengthening the stronger portions while, you know, protecting the weaker portions of the lift can do a lot for your joint health. And, that can do a lot for performance long-term. I really like those accessory lifts that you picked out there too, the dumbbell benching, the uh, dips, especially. I'm a huge fan of the weighted dips and that's not something you see a lot of people doing anymore is a lot of people go over to, you know, the hammer strength machines or, you know, the cable column and bust out their cable flies, that sort of thing. Um, So it's kind of interesting how we've seen a shift away from what I'll call the more classic exercises like dumbbell bench press variations of the bench and the dip over to these like machine and more specific movements. And there's a
1: time and place for those too, but something like the dip, you know, your bench, uh, maybe even weighted push up. I do a ton of those too. Um, Mm -hmm. what it, you know, it just puts a lot, a ton of load on you and, and while inducing, you know, your stabilizer muscle, your muscles, stabilizing the joints and all that like a machine doesn't or like an isolation thing does it's not really like a chest fly it's not going to put you in a position um really training a heavy compound movement to overload those tissues to get stronger
0: right and uh with that too when you're lifting heavy i'm sure you're probably using higher set counts and lower rep ranges for the most part um but i think Lauren, when she was on a couple of weeks ago, actually mentioned that you kind of do a scaled system where you start with a higher rep total or rep goal and focus on the quality of the movement and then slowly increase the weight and decrease the number of reps as you go.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the more weight you're going to be able to, the more weight you're using, closer to your one rep max, the less reps you're going to be able to do with it. So usually we'll start, you know, if I'm doing like a hypertrophy, Uh, phase or something like that you know where I'm not really focusing on your one rep max I'm just kind of focusing on how much uh, hypertrophy we can get out of it so we're going to be using lighter weights um, relatively lighter weights uh, and more reps uh, maybe less sets but then as we go up you know increase the amount of sets so we still get you know some volume in out under heavy weight but we're not gonna be able to do you know six plus reps with close to your one rep max
0: right right Um, with that too, um, oh, I forget what I was going to say. Um, but no, that makes sense. It's kind of like a continuum. Um, I think there's charts you can find online that correlate, you know, how many reps you can do at a certain, uh, weight to, um, your, uh, percentage of your one rep max. So you can kind of go off of that, but, um, there's other ways to do it too. I know we use reps in reserve for everything. Um, I think you were talking about, rpe scales too for repetitions
1: yeah um you know i guess the rpe's uh, depends on how you use it but it can be similar to your reps and reserves be like eh, how many reps do you think you got left but if you're going really heavy just like just singles and you're kind of close to your one rep max you know you might not be able to get another super clean rep but you know it's still it's like uh out of how tough it is maybe it's like an eight so i might not be able to get another rep but i could definitely do this for a few more sets and not slow down right so um i that's i usually use like how tough it is how what's the rpe and then i'm looking at how the you know the lifter lifts the weight if they're struggling they're shaking i'm like all right so we need to back down a little bit i don't want it to look like that but <laughs> if it's just like the bar's flying off their chest every time or they're just standing up like it's nothing and they're like oh it's like an rpe nine. No, i was like come on bro <laughs> i
0: was like you look <laughs> right right now, we just talked about what we consider the best, the bench. But the next one is <laughs> arguably the worst, the squat. So, with the squat, I know a big thing for people is the mobility and the form. It seems like, you know, most modern society has, you know, cost people the quality of movement in their squat, um, which is kind of ironic because, again, when we're young, you know, babies should be able to do a full range of motion squat. They're very lax, they're kind of Gumby-ish, so to speak. And as we get into this modern lifestyle of sitting down, you know, seven, eight, nine hours in school, go home, you know, sit in front of the TV, play video games, whatever it is kids are doing these days, um, you know, things tighten up, you lose those movement patterns and you need to kind of re-strengthen them. So for the people that you train, especially who don't have that squat movement pattern down, to begin with where do you like to start with that
1: um i'm a personal trainer too so usually people um everyone i've trained who like you know powerless or like in in somewhat athletic you know, if you're playing sports you should be able to squat uh i guess two depth or at least a parallel um for in the general uh you know like the general population uh, per, person if they're having a hard time squatting they they know how to do it usually it's just it's, so you tell them to squat they're like uh how do I do this but then you tell them to sit down into a chair and then they're doing it fine so you just kind of usually I start with like box squats like oh let's just touch our box uh, butt to this butt to this okay then you change their stance width and stuff you know their legs looking really wonky. They're like not able to get down because their knees are shooting so far ahead, but they're like trying to put their butt back. You're like, ah, oh, let's just widen our stance up. Oh, okay. Now you're okay here, too. Um, for mobility wise, you know, I think that one of the best ways to get more mobile at doing something is doing it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so don't throw on a ton of weight, but, you know, sit down there, maybe grab a kettlebell or play, do a counterbalance squat. So you're, you can sit down there nice and comfortably try to find that you know range of motion try to find that uh where you like your your foot placement to be what feels more comfortable most comfortable to you where you can sit there for a little bit and keep your back straight and and be fine um then you got you know some you know mobility exercises that you know anyone could look up you know right um so uh i
0: really like the specificity that you're bringing with this because you're saying look you know if you want to get better at something you have to do it like you know (laughs) you can lay on your back and stretch your hamstrings all day long but that doesn't mean your squat is going to be instantly better and I like how you're touching too on kind of like making it your own you know, not everyone's squat is going to look the same because not everyone is built the same. Some people are taller, some people are shorter, some people have different length femurs, different things going on with their hips, their lumbopelvic complex, and the list goes on and on of different, you know, variations. And you can't just expect everyone to do the exact same lift, the exact same way over and over again. Um, So with that too, you know, there's a lot of variations for the squat and a lot of training that goes into the squat, front squat, back squat, hack squat, the list goes on and on. Um, and some people then to, tend to be better at some than others. What are kind of your favorite variations for training that movement pattern?
1: Um, well, in powerlifting, if you're low bar squatting, you usually can lift more weight uh, than like a high bar squat. So let's just say your low bar squat, is what you're going to do in competition. That's what you really want to get better at. Now, obviously, if you're just low bar squatting all the time, you're going through that same movement pattern and your joints are getting stressed the same way, which is great, but if we're overdoing it, maybe you can you know, get injured. Plus you want to throw in some variability. So now you got to look at exercises that are closest to your low bar squat, but are not low bar squat. So then you have a high bar squat, right? Your knees are going out a little farther. You're a little bit more upright. Same thing with the front bar squat. You're getting a little bit more uh, you know, at least I feel it more in my quads. You're getting a little bit more uh, quad activation. Um, you're less, you're loading the posterior chain a little less Then you got other things like a hack squat, um, or like any machine squat, leg presses and things like that, where you can get a lot of volume work and you may, might not be stressing the same, you know, your erector muscles in your back, your back is toast. Um, where you can get a lot of volume and you can build some good muscle in a squat pattern. So it's going to have some transfer over, but it's not going to be like doing your low bar squat. And then uh, another thing is just a a nice belt squat. Let's just say holding weight up on top is not an option right now. I'm training someone who had a uh, surgery on their shoulder. Um, They had a labrum tear. So obviously I'm not going to put anything on their back. So, uh, we we have him doing a belt squat and, uh, we got a lot of reps, a lot of uh, work into your stance could be the same. You could be changing it up too, but you're just not stressing your back. You're not stressing the, uh, um, the structures up top as much.
0: Right. And I know you actually even built a homemade, <laughs> um, belt squat kind of device there for training at home too, because, you know, a lot of gyms don't have a pit shark a lot of people can't afford to put one of them in their home gym, that sort of thing. So it's kind of cool that, you know, with some crafty planning, you can actually build some of these things yourself.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a little, uh, it's a little (laughs) rough. Um, I guess, you know, I was over quarantine. So um, I was like, how can I add some more variability in my uh, training? You know, there's some some lifters who like a very little variability like to do the same thing they're just keeping to their big three and that's pretty much it which is fine I am someone who likes variability I like to um, you know switch things up and do different exercises on top of the big three so I just uh, one day I went to Home Depot or Lowe's and I got a whole bunch of equipment threw together this belt squat thing and uh, and yeah I kind up to like you know, like in the 500s over quarantine on it. So I'm like, it hasn't wow. broken yet. So I'm <laughs> happy about that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then I I told my coach, I'm like, hey, look, I made this thing. Let's, uh, let's use it. Sure enough, he put it in my program and it was great. You know, you get a um, lot of volume work on your legs, but nothing on your back. You're not stressing those stabilizer uh, muscles all along your backside. Trying right. to pull that
0: bar up. And, um, you know, I think ultimately kind of what you're alluding to here with that is, you know, everyone's going to feel different when they squat, some muscles are going to be working harder than others. And that's kind of your own way of pointing out where you need to focus more of your accessory training. So if you're really feeling it in your back and your core, maybe you need to do more core bracing and core stability work. If you're really feeling it, you know, in your glutes, maybe you should add a hip thrust or glute bridge variation to your own training. So with that, um, kind of going into the deadlift now. So we did the best, the worst, and what I'll call the hardest. Um, it's very easy to mess up the deadlift. And I think we've all seen people doing that, you know, awful rounded back variation of the deadlift in the gym. And it's just cringeworthy. Um, so, when we look at the deadlift, there's a lot of different ways people set up for this. They go conventional, they go sumo, they go, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, as far as the setup for the deadlift goes, what is, how can you kind of deconstruct that?
1: Um, currently, I do a, a conventional stance. You know, I just, uh, I was doing sumo for a little bit, but it was really bothering my adductors, like really bad. Like, if I didn't make the pull, I was like, ah, oh, I was walking funny. I don't. Know, I was probably doing it wrong. My mobility was not there. Um, some people uh, they can do sumo just fine, and you know you're decreasing the range of motion. So usually you're getting more, uh, a larger lift out. Uh, you know you you see a lot of big lifters pull sumo. Um, not to say you can't pull pull heavy numbers with conventional. Um, the setup. If I'm training someone who is like uh, I guess again general population. I try my best not to have them round any part of their back, you know, keep it neutral. And then you get some powerlifters, like my friend who actually got me into powerlifting, um, their, their upper back, not their lower back. Their upper back is like very rounded and you're like, Oh geez. Um, um, but for the general population, I'm like, right, let's just keep a, uh, straight back because we're not trying to really lift the most amount of weight. We're not trying to break any records. We're just trying to get stronger. So now you can go pick a uh, shovel outside, pick your kids up just fine. Right. Um, if you're powerlifting, uh, there is a purpose for a rounded back you get, um, in your up, you know, upper thoracic region, uh, you know, it might, you just might feel a little stronger there. Um. I don't lift with too and too much of a rounded back. Some people lift with a really rounded back, um, and your your structures up there are a little bit more handle um, created to handle that. I mean, it's not like the best thing, but um, your lower back, you you know, you want that locked in and straight. But you get that through um, proper breathing and bracing and your belt and uh, right, you know, building those structures up.
0: Right, and um. For those listening, the reason we avoid the flexion and that bent posture of the lower back is when you flex your lumbar spine, your lower back, you actually increase the pressure on the front of your intervertebral discs. And when you increase the pressure on the front, well, something has to give. So this is typically the mechanism of injury for the disc herniation that we all have heard multiple times about is most disc herniations occur in the posterior-lateral compartment of the lower back. So in the uh, back portion and to the sides of this ligament that runs down your spinal column. Um, so avoiding that, which again is the mechanism of injury for a disc herniation, which can be very debilitating, is very important. Now uh, You kind of touched on uh, the sumo and conventional and how most stronger um, like the high competitive power lifters do the sumo pull and correct me if I'm wrong but with the sumo you're pulling a lot more from your glutes and with the conventional you're pulling a lot more from your back musculature like your lats so to speak um
1: I mean yes and no I you... <laughs> It's kind of hard to say you're pulling more because you're. It's just a, a different movement. Like your back musculature, your lats are really just locking in your back, right? And right. your erectors are really just locking in your back, so they're holding a nice isometric hold. So your back's not flexing over. Now you're gonna get that with conventional and sumo, but you know your sumo. Just think of it. You know, a lot of people can get into basically a very squatty position. So they're not very hinged over they're a little bit more squatty uh, squatty. so they're they're using uh yeah i guess they're a little bit more quads you know your glute you have different uh different your you know your medius and uh minimus glutes i may be wrong but a little bit more of that than let's say your maximus now your conventional obviously your glute is to you know stand you up straight right and uh hip extension and and um and same thing with your hamstrings so you might feel more hamstrings when you're pulling conventional uh in your in a different area in your glute too but um yeah i would i would i tend to think of it more as a, a sumo more as a squat like pattern and conventional is a, it's more of a true hinge i mean mm-hmm. even conventional you can some people get into a really squatty pattern with that you know having the, their knees way over uh over the bar uh true hinge would probably be like an rdl or stiff leg
0: right and touching on the RDL and stiff leg, there, those are two very common accessory exercises we see people doing for the deadlift and this kind of movement pattern. Are there any others that you tend to recommend to people or train your, uh, with your clients?
1: Um, yeah, I, the whole idea is like the deadlift itself. It's it's can be very taxing, especially conventional, right? You're you're hinging up a lot of weight. Um, the whole idea with the RDL or a stiff leg deadlift is you're not going to be able to lift as much weight with those. So therefore you're still getting an overload effect on your muscles, but maybe they're just not draining your CNS like a, you know, pulling conventional is every day. Um, those are the two big ones because uh, I have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people, they might not have access to a hex bar or like special machines and all they have is some barbells. So, I mean, that's fine. You know, um, that, and then. I also train, like we said, the back acts as a huge stabilizer and, um, and, you know, a little bit of movement. So pendulé rows, bent over rows. Um, I like to do chin-ups, um, even though that's more of a vertical pull, not a horizontal pull, uh, dumbbell rows just to build up the back. And that's also going to transfer over to your bench too, right? You're, a big mm. back is going to be able to stabilize, um, your body on the bench, uh, on the, on the bench while you bench uh then you got trap trap bars i usually do that for people uh, more in the gen pop or really having a hard time hinging over due to a lack of mobility or um yeah usually it's due to lack of mobility or comfort um a hex bar or a trap bar um and then things just like you're working your hamstrings uh either through like some hamstring curls if you're going real isolated or like maybe uh glute ham raise or something like that just to build up those tissues to build up those strength
0: right um and with that too as we've kind of alluded to throughout this these exercises and powerlifting in general should not be something people shy away from because ultimately you're getting stronger at movement patterns you do every single day <laughs> and that's something for everyone not just a small you know specialized subset of the population um absolutely uh
1: yeah, I, I think general population and they're huge compound movements like your deadlift, you're, you're, you know, I've done deadlifts before my lat's got sore. I mean, they're not like moving the weight at all. Uh, but they're just holding that isometric really, really, um, really hard taking, um, picking the weight up. So, and like you said, you're going through that full range of motion, you know, your deadlift, you know, maybe you're not, you're not squatting down every time you shovel snow, you know what I'm saying? Yep. You should be bracing, squeezing your, um breathing bracing and then you're hinging over sometimes to do that you know your life is not um life is not like a barbell you know it's it's very different very um but those barbell movements train you for life you know you got your bench which is just a press you got an overhead press which is a vertical press you got a chin up which is a vertical uh, pull deadlift with a uh, deadlift and bent over rows horizontal pulls and a squat train, uh, training your squat pattern right yeah You should be able to do that. And you see athletes and you see general population people doing this uh, and transfer over to their sport or their everyday life. So those are why they're great exercises. And those are why we uh, test them to see how strong we are because they're just uh, so useful.
0: Right. Great indicator of strength. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah simply put um so i know we're kind of running out of time here so two last things um do you see a overdependency of people on these assistive devices i'll call them for training the lifting belts the wraps the straps the you know so on and so on um uh, yeah uh <sighs>
1: it depends it depends like if you're going to if you're training for powerlifting and you're going to lift in competition let's say you're doing equipped it or like raw classic i believe which is they're using wraps then your your main work should be with the belt on with the wraps on like you want to powerlift now i'm not too uh, i don't know anything about equipped it so i don't know if you can keep putting those really tight uh, suits on but yeah so i i throw on sleeves every time i squat that and i'm um, my knees, um, yeah, I, they've helped my knees. So, um, but I also like uh, just squatting without a belt. I like to be able to breathe into my belly and brace. I like to be able to um, you know, do whatever I have to do without all this assisted equip- equipment on. So you're just changing up the variability, doing all that. Uh, if you're going to the gym every single day and you're throwing on a belt for everything, then you're not training uh you're bracing without a belt on so maybe you're fine while you're in a meet but when you go to go pick something out and you don't know how to brace without a belt and you slip a disc then you know
0: right yeah that uh that makes sense and I think you know with that a lot of people kind of over depend on some of these things um there's one individual at the gym I go to who always has a weightlifting belt on It doesn't matter what exercise he's doing. He's doing tricep pushdowns. He's doing cable flies. He's doing machine seated bicep curls and he's got his belt on. Um, So
1: it's probably not too tight because if you're wearing a, you know, I have a big old thick powerlifting belt. You know, I don't want that on any longer than I need it on. So if he, you're just walking around with it, you're probably not even using the
0: bell the way you're supposed <laughs> to use. <laughs> just for show. Just for show. Yeah. Fashion probably stability. probably an older guy, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, and last thing here. So as we alluded to, you know, these movements, these exercises are for everyone. For those who want to get into powerlifting specific type training more where would be the best place for them to start? Should they look for like a five, three, one program? Should they reach out to someone and get a program built for them? Or where should their first uh, starting point be?
1: Um, Program wise is, I mean, there's just a ton online. Like if you want a program, I I, I even, I think there's uh, uh, there's a website just of Google sheets of free online programs. Um, I've read, uh, principles of uh, strength training by Mark Repito, which I know some people are like a little, uh, iffy about him, you know, he just has a very easy, simple plan. You add five pounds, you keep everything the same. And when you're a novice, that's just a great way. You're going to be able to adapt so much, so easy compared to someone who's not a novice, you know, cause you're just like, lear- you're basically like learning movement. So you're adapting so quick. So you can add five pounds to the lift every, every, uh, every week or what, whatnot. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing is at least recording yourself and finding someone who's knowledgeable about the technique. So you might not be like, oh, look, I'm, I'm looking, I look fine, but maybe your knee's just going in just a tad bit. Maybe your foot is a little bit too pronated and, um, and someone should be able to point that out to you, but like, Hey, you know, um, really think about spreading your feet, uh, push your uh, we want your knee to go in line with your toes. So if they're coming in a little bit, that's, you know, those, we're coming in a little too much over here. Oh, your lower back is a tad bit rounded. Let's think about doing this. Oh, you're not reaching depth like you want to. Let's just think about, think about crushing a walnut between your femur and your uh, and your hip joint. So maybe you can get down a little lower, you know, keep that back straight, You know, tuck, hide the ribs and all that. Um, just someone who's knowledgeable and help you out there. Um, your, the amount you lift is not uh, is not necessarily an indicator of how smart you are in something, but it, it will help. So if yeah, you know, if someone looks really refined, you know, serious, and they look like they know what they're doing, they might know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> right. So in general, just start you know don't sit around waffling waiting for the perfect program just start something yeah
1: oh absolutely you kidding me do not wait for the perfect program because you're going to be waiting forever uh my pro my programs i implement keep changing because i'm still learning i'm still um you know somewhat new to coaching so i'm like oh you know i like this idea i'm going to blend and see how it works with my athlete you know
0: keep it simple
1: and keep it simple
0: don't underestimate the value of getting help from a professional or a coach or someone who knows what they're doing yeah awesome and with that if you want more on brendan again you can find him at tank strength on instagram i would highly recommend following him because as he said he is on a journey to the top he's very hungry and he's not gonna stop until he gets there so if you want to be someone who is with him from the start go follow him right now So with that, Brendan, thanks again for your time and for joining with us and uh, for teaching us a little bit more about powerlifting.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I uh, hope I'm on again soon.